You're listening to Sobriety with Ari Eastman. Hey, that's me. Well, hello there. I just ate an apple because apparently that's good for enunciation. Little insider tip there, baby. Apples for enunciation. Back when I was at Thought Catalog, I actually recorded an audiobook. Um, they would sell these. They would sell these books that were compilations of essays that you write and so it's like they would make more money off these books of things that existed on the website it was such a scam honestly that they would put together these books that you could buy but it's like you could literally read all of those essays for free and by the way the author aka the staff writers at thought catalog never saw any money from any sales of those books not that i expected any i don't think anyone (laughs) purchased them but yeah i had a collection of essays that were available on thought catalog and they put it together called um crap what was it <laughs> shit what was it called oh everything sucks but i'm still happy the cool part of that though was that i got to go into a studio in berkeley and record the audiobook version for audible so that was actually a really fun experience and i remember in there they had apple slices so i am now i don't even really like apples but i've started cutting up some apple slices so that i can sound crisp and clear I didn't record an episode last week, and I have no excuse, except for the fact that I was starting to feel overwhelmed with life. So I committed the cardinal um, sin of podcasting, which is if you say you are going to stick to a schedule, you should stick to that schedule. Because guess what? Consistency is important in building a business or a brand or a podcast. And guess what I did? Third week, I said, screw it, (laughs) no podcast. And then I said I would release one on Sunday. And then, you know, before you knew it, Sunday rolled around and I just didn't do it. And I apologize to the three of you listening. I'm sorry. I'm going to try to be better. This has been an issue my whole life where I jump I jump headfirst into projects. I'm like super excited. I have illusions of grandeur. I mean, this is why I was falsely like I was misdiagnosed as bipolar in college. And I carried around the bipolar 2 diagnosis for quite a while before I had some doctors go. Actually, turns out, no, you don't have that. But yeah, uh, one of my symptoms that fit into the uh, DSM-5 criteria was some of my my manic projects that I would jump into. But guess what? Turns out that's just my personality. Yeah, this is like a big issue that I personally have to work on. I get really excited about things. I dive into projects with a lot of passion and excitement. And one of the things I actually do really like about myself is I don't have a lot of I don't know what the word is, um, reservations or fear about trying things. I don't I don't feel the need to make them perfect. I think a lot of people want to make something so good that it can prevent them from starting. And I'm just kind of like, I roll up and I'm like, no, I'm going to do this and it's going to be fun. And, and the, 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 the good part of that is that I show up and I start something. The bad part of that is then when it gets hard or more complicated or not as fun, then I tend to abandon things. So, you know, working through that, trying to remember that when I am excited to start something, I need to stick with it. Going forward, we're going to be releasing the podcasts on Thursdays probably. (laughs) I have to. I have to. I just have to. I can't let myself off the hook because it's it's just too easy for me to be like, eh, never mind. And that's 
not what this was supposed to be. This is a part of my recovery and I can't just abandon things. That's an important part of a practice is dedicating yourself and doing it even on the days you don't feel like doing it because guess what? There were some days in my early sobriety where I didn't want to be sober and I didn't want to stick to my recovery. Every day I had to show up. I had to get through the day one day at a time and that's what, um, not to not to make this sound like what a drag I have to do this podcast. Honestly, I've been a little bit overwhelmed because next week is my birthday and normally birthdays don't trip me up too much. I'm not that concerned about aging and whatever. Like it's sometimes it creeps in because of hello, society. Hello, I'm a woman. Um, That shit just is woven deep, baby. I think this year I'm feeling a little weird because it's going to be I'm going to be 29. And I know some of you are like some depending on how old you are. Some of you are like, wow, that's old. And some of you are like, that's super young. I think there's just this little voice as much as I don't want it to be there there is a little voice in the back of my head that's like this is the last year of your 20s and so I am comparing myself in ways that I don't normally do and yeah there are some things I'm proud of some things that I'm really excited about and then there's a lot of areas where I beat myself up and I'm like "Mm, I don't own a home I'm nowhere close to marriage and, you know, a family. I don't even know what I want. I don't even know what I want that to look like. And sort of that uncertainty kind of freaks me out a little bit. I don't know. I've just, it's weird. The house thing, I've been really, really comparing myself lately. I've been like, oh, so-and-so from high school, they bought a house two years ago. I live in Los Angeles. Um, Buying a house here is uh, not the same as it is buying houses elsewhere. And also I kind of have to, you know, I have to like check myself and be like, what do I want? Do I want to be setting down roots? Do I feel like I'm anywhere near that? And I don't. It's also silly because it's like, what is 29 supposed to be? What is 29 supposed to look like? Like who decided that? But I I do sometimes feel like my emotional age and my physical age don't really match up. Um, And I don't know where that comes from. There is a, I have read a bit where there are, there's like an idea and and people talk about the idea that when your addiction really sets in, sometimes it it stunts your growth and you kind of have like arrested development. So there's a lot of people that maybe get sober after, you know, being a drug user for 20 years and they feel like maybe they got almost like stunted at, let's say they, let's say they started at like 19 and there's all these like milestones and emotional sort of advancements that they feel like they sort of missed because their addiction was front and center and sort of taking up all of their space and emotional availability. And I don't, I don't know if I fully feel like that. Like I said, I didn't really start drinking until I was 21 years old. I wouldn't say it really became problem drinking until maybe like last year of college or living at home, maybe like 23, 24. So four or five years I had of like drinking a little bit problematically, but really, really bad the last too. So it's kind of like, I don't know if I can really blame my emotional stuntedness on that, or if maybe I've just always been a little bit immature, a little bit behind. I don't know. I don't know. And then sometimes I'm like, my is my goofiness, is my silliness, is that immaturity? Or why do I, why am I assigning these characteristics? Like, what does it mean? Where does it come from? And I don't know. I don't have the answers to those things. I'm trying to figure it out, obviously. I also feel like I fall under the um, ambitious kid burnout syndrome. I feel like I've seen this like talked about on TikTok. If you were like an overachiever as a child or you were put in, you know, quote unquote, um, higher education, higher learning, uh, gifted kid programs, then a lot of times now as an adult, (laughs) 
were kind of like fucked up. I don't know if it still exists, but um, growing up in California, we had Gate, which I actually have absolutely no idea what that's gifted, gifted and gifted and talented, gifted and talented. Yeah, gifted and talented education, which is like, okay, relax, please, please. Now, this is purely anecdotal. I don't have evidence to back this up, but I feel like all the fuckers who were in gate, who had really high test scores, who, you know, teachers were always like, oh, they're so smart. They're so talented. We then had a moment in middle school or high school when a mental illness showed up. Uh, For me personally, I remember it was such a, such a strong, like, contrast of fifth grade I was teacher's pet I did every extra credit project you can possibly do it was like a plus plus I loved school I loved projects I loved doing my homework I loved my teacher my teacher loved me then sixth grade I had my first like serious bout of depression which I'm sure was coupled with like hormones because guess what being a 12 year old girl is really 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 hard but yeah I stopped doing my homework um I I never wanted to go to class this was also when I first started watching the show Friends and I remember being so devastated devastated that the show Friends was fictional and that I couldn't actually live in the tv screen and all I wanted I didn't want to go to school I just wanted to have my soul sucked into Central Perk and kiss Ross Geller because that was one of my big celebrity crushes in sixth grade Ross Geller we can unpack that at a later date I was busy being horny for Ross Geller and sad about everything else and I got a d in my English class and my mom was like what the heck like English is and was my favorite subject. I love writing and reading, and those two things have always come easily to me, and they've always been things I enjoyed. So my mom was like, why why are you getting a D in English? And it's because I was just not doing the work. I was straight up not doing the work. I was not turning in my homework because it just wasn't important to me. Because, you know, when you're struggling with depression, it's very hard to find motivation for anything. And sometimes even the things that you love and the things that normally would ignite a passion and an excitement in you those things become dull and those things don't matter and um it was really hard it was a really hard transition from fifth to sixth grade and again it's like sometimes I don't know was it the transition of elementary school to middle school was I just gonna have that onset of depression hit no matter what? Was it hormones? Was it a perfect storm of all three things? I mean, that's kind of how I approach a lot of stuff. I think a lot of things are a perfect storm scenario of, it's how, it's how I feel about addiction. It's how I feel at least about with my story. It's like I have family history. I obviously have some genetic makeup that made me more uh, vulnerable. It was also um, based on events in my life and in an environment I was in and loneliness and then also um, habits start doing something and you form these neural pathways and then you know it's like it's a like I said it's like nurtured nature it's it's all of it I've been reading lately about um, addiction there's the as a disease model and then there's also brain change in addiction um, as learning not disease and these two sort of ideologies and kind of figuring out what I think what I believe. I don't really fall solidly on anything. I think that's also why like religion is not particularly attractive to me because I'm almost, I'm just like so agnostic in my thinking, meaning 
I don't know. I don't have answers and I'm very comfortable being like, maybe that's the reason or maybe that's the reason. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe it's everything. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. I am I'm very comfortable being in that space of not knowing, admitting I don't know, being comfortable with not knowing and being open to um, learning and changing my mind. And I'm just I'm comfortable changing my mind about things. <sighs> anyway, turning 29, turning 29 and feeling fine. No, I'm feeling okay. Feeling pretty stable and solid. Not incredible, not fantastic, but good. Good enough. 29 and good enough. Ultimately, we know numbers are kind of stupid and life is short and long and none of us really know what the point is. So I guess wasting any more time on what I should or shouldn't have done by 29 feels kind of silly and and pointless. I hope I just keep trying new things and learning because that is something that that is something that drinking took away from me when it got to the point where everything in my day was centering around when I could open a bottle of wine. That's all I was thinking about. I wasn't trying anything new. I wasn't Oh my god, there's construction happening. Sorry. As much money and health that drinking took from me, it also really, it took my time. It took time and it's time that I I can't get back and it took a lot of hours of my life and sometimes I kind of get overwhelmed and sad when I think about it that way and ashamed, but I can't change it. Wasted time is something that freaks a lot of us out. I hear it when people end long relationships, you know, this refrain of, I just wasted five years of my life. It's a panic of time running out. Maybe it's because we are the only animals that know we are going to die. Like, we are aware of our own mortality, kind of always racing against the clock. That's got to be why we are so precious about having things done at certain intervals, right? Does it ultimately all come back to the notion that we're going to die? Like, I mean, bleak, dark, but, you know, we don't know when or how, but we know what we will, and that's scary, and maybe that's why we have all this pressure, because there is this sense of urgency, you know, whether we are aware of it or not, on some level, right? Accomplishments, timing, age, all of these things have to sort of play into a fear or an awareness of death. I didn't know the podcast was going to take this turn. Whoopsie. Just birthday things. So that's where my brain space has been. To wrap things up, uh, let's do my pink cloud. It's something that made me happy this week. It's my pink cloud of sobriety. What? New song for the segment? Yeah. Yes. We're getting professional over here at sobriety. So pre-pandemic life, I rode the bus in LA for about two years. Now, public transit in Los Angeles gets kind of a bad rap. It's it's not as accessible or popular as it is in other metropolitan areas, especially like, you know, of course, it can't compete with New York's public transit, but it's not as bad as people say. Like I said, I took the bus for two years. I got where I needed to go, and I actually had a lot of like really enjoyable life experiences on the bus. I enjoyed seeing the same people on my commute. Um, I liked not having to worry about parking, and I don't know, there was just a lot of benefits of the bus. Of course, a global pandemic hit, and it didn't seem like a good idea to be going on public transit, and I don't think that's something I am in any rush to get back to, so I purchased a car last 
June. You know, sometimes I catch myself thinking about the people I would see on the bus, especially like the, I would see like these little old ladies and they would wave to each other and they would know each other and they would, you know, be chatting back and forth. And I just, sometimes I catch myself wondering what happened to some of these, they're like strangers in your life, but they're people that you see and you have a familiarity with their faces and you recognize them, but you know, you don't know their name. You don't know anything about them. And sometimes I catch myself wondering like, how are they? What are they doing? Are they okay? That's something that 2020 really changed is that, you know, you have these relationships with friends and family members and anyone who is close enough to you that even if you are not seeing them every day, you still have some way to contact them, to keep in touch. But there's a whole other category. There's a whole other group of people that do exist in our lives. It's like we're all each other's background noise. It's people that you walk in your neighborhood and you don't know them, but you see them every now and then. And it's people in the grocery store. It's the people you come across and you come in contact with and you recognize them because you've seen them because they fall into your routine of like living in society with other people. But you might not know their name. You might not know absolutely anything about them, but... Sometimes just their presence is comforting. I mean, we tend to be creatures of routine and the, you know, seeing, seeing the same, seeing the same barista, seeing the same person on your hiking trail, the same person on your commute. These are all things we took for granted because we were used to them. And then when those things got taken away and we were all, you know, doing our safer at homes and our isolation and, and then you stop seeing all these extra people. I don't know. It's like a weird, it's a weird thing where I catch myself thinking about, I don't know, the person I took a yoga class with. I'm like, how's she doing? What's her name? I don't know. Hope she's good. So there were two older women who I would see on my commute on my way home from work who I particularly miss. And because every time they would see one another on the bus, they were so happy. And it was just such a, it was such a contagious, ugh, contagious is not a good word these days. Such a, such an infectious, ooh, that's not good either. A joy that spread around without disease or virus. Just a joy that spread easily, but in a good way. Uh, highly, God, what's a, what's a non-germy sounding way to say contagious? Easily spread? Nope, that doesn't sound good. Anyway, they were joyous, and their joy for seeing one another gave me joy. So I think about them and I and I miss them and I and I hope they're well. So the other day I am going for a walk in my neighborhood and there they were, my two favorite old ladies. It made me feel so hopeful and happy to know that not only were they alive and well and seemingly healthy, but that they were going on a walk together and that you know this crazy past year didn't stop their their joyous friendship. My golden girls going strong. So happy for them. Thanks for tuning in, and I will see you next week. Bye, everyone.